On today's Fantasy Baseball in 15, we'll look at some highs and lows on the StatCast leaderboard. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's not had uh, three co-brews yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Tuesday, May 11th. I'm Al Melchior, and I'm here with Derek Van Riper and DVR. We are going to get to uh, an updated look at the uh, StatCast leaderboard. We talked about that, I think, maybe a week, week and a half ago. So uh, some interesting things there to talk about. Uh, But let's get to the news and notes for starters here. Um, Jacob deGrom, we talked about this on Monday's show uh, about whether or not he was going on the injured list, whether or not we would know soon enough to adjust our lineups. And uh, the answer is yes to both. Uh, DeGrom on, well, actually going on the injured list on Tuesday. So those of us who, you know, were would have liked to put him in a, an IL spot, no such luck. Um, but uh, the good news is that he had an MRI on his side and there was no structural damage there, but the Mets apparently just playing it safe and keeping him out of the rotation Uh for this uh, this 10-day period. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure there's any takeaways here, DVR, other than just uh, we had to find somebody to fill the slot and not, try not to take the zero. Uh, Luke Voigt, he is set to be activated by the Yankees on Tuesday. Of course, he has not played at all this year so far, having had knee surgery. And that was a... Because I'm going to just make this show all about me and my teams. Uh, that was a handy thing for me because I have CJ Crone in the league and he was placed on the injured list with a lower back strain. So I just made that IL flip with uh, Voight for Crone, but I'm not sure how much Voight is going to play this week. So if you've got better options, DVR, would you would you take them in terms of steadier playing time? I've got Carlos Santana as the alternative to Voight in the only league where I've got Voight. Three games for each of them in the partial week. It's an NFBC league where you can change it out again on Friday. Voight being in Tampa Bay... Santana being in Detroit, seems like Santana's got the easier pitching matchups, so that might lead me to leave Santana in for the first part of the week and then reevaluate for the three-game set during the weekend. All right, and uh, you know, with um, only five games being played on Monday, if you're in a league with um, uh, staggered uh, lineup blocks, then you know you you actually do have a likely shot at uh, evaluating your options. So uh, definitely take advantage of that if you can. Uh, some news from Pittsburgh. Derek Shelton says that Gregory Polanco, who has been on the COVID IL reportedly due to a violation of COVID-19 protocols, uh, that Polanco will return to the Pirates within the next few days. And Cody Bellinger, finally an update on him. Seems like it's been a long time. Uh, of course, he's been out with the hairline fracture in his fibula and he is back to running. So good news there, but still no timetable for a return for uh, Cody Bellinger. So DVR, as I uh, teased it just a few minutes before, uh, let's take a look at some StatCast data and the the impetus for doing this. Actually, it goes back to Monday's show because you and I, we talked about Glaber Torres. And specifically, I asked you, how do you evaluate Torres or any player that's in a, a very similar position where they established a certain level of production uh, for an extended period of time? And then for reasons that just can't be ascertained, uh, that production just kind of falls off the cliff. Now, you know, Torres, he's in his age 24 season. We can't 
blame uh, the, the aging curve for him. Uh, as far as we know, we can't blame any kind of injury or, or health issue. So it's just kind of trying to, to look into that black box. So uh, I wrote a piece on Taurus that's now up on The Athletic and, and basically trying to answer that question in a little bit more depth. And DVR, I believe we talked about the fact that he's actually last year and this year had much better plate discipline. And so I wanted to look at players who have a really st- similar statistical profile to Torres and see if there's reason for optimism there. And so I looked at players who had that s- same kind of plate discipline profile, uh, but also players who don't pull their, their fly balls very much, which is another feature of Torres's game over the last two seasons, uh, going the other way with fly balls a lot, which could be sapping his power. Um, and also looking at players with similar uh, exit velocities on flies and liners. And the, the news isn't great <laughs> because uh, there, there really aren't very many comparables from the last few years. I found one. Any guesses? Alex Bregman? That's a great guess. Uh, it is it is incorrect, but it's a, that's a really good guess. And what what actually that I'm glad that that was your guess because the one thing that really differentiates Bregman from Torres is that he does pull the ball a lot, uh, even on fly balls. Uh, but yeah, Bregman's got nearly identical exit velocities on flies and liners the last couple of years. Um, probably a little bit more fly ball prone than Torres, but yeah, it's that that batted ball profile, the, the pole profile that really separates him and maybe what gives him a little extra power. No, it was Joey Votto. Hmm. Um, the only one who really matched it pretty well. Chris Taylor from 2017 and 2018 was a pretty close match. And so was Jeff McNeil from this year so far. So the way I kind of framed it was, I, I think that's kind of the range of expectations we probably should have for Torres at this point, given how long he's been hitting without much power is that you could, you could have uh, on the low end, kind of a Jeff McNeil profile and on the higher end, maybe Chris Taylor circa 2018, you know, 2021, 20, 22 home runs. I guess I still can't quite rectify why the barrel rate back in 2018 and 2019 was pretty good. 67th percentile when he debuted in 2018, 70th percentile in 2019 in that big power output season. Why did the barrel rate, completely disappear with the improvement of his plate discipline. It seems like putting those things together would make him more sustainable in the long run. You wouldn't think you'd lose that much power by being more selective at the plate. If anything, you would gain some because you're finding better pitches to hit. So I'm still confused by what Glaber's doing, and I'm more inclined to bet on the longer-term track record and kind of skills consolidation being a possibility, even if we're going to lower that power ceiling. Even if we're going to say... The cap for the year is 25 home runs prorated. That means he could hit 21 or 22 the rest of the way. I'd take that with a good batting average and the run production that should come from playing every day in that Yankees lineup. So I think we're right to lower the ceiling, but I think we'd be wrong to give up on him completely. Well, and the ceiling means something different this year than it certainly meant in, in 2019 with the the new ball. So that's you know that's pretty fair power uh you know uh, power production in this context too so i i tend to think that's a best case scenario but uh if he gets it then you know that's pretty good uh but you know i looked for players that are hitting their flies and liners with a similar exit velocity and alex bregman was you know pretty much right on the nose there i was surprised by some of these other names too dylan carlson 
Jesus Aguilar, Michael Conforto, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., and Victor Robles DVR. Um, and two that, that were sort of interesting to me, well, several of them were, but Michael Conforto and Lourdes Gurriel, because th- this is not their normal neighborhood on that leaderboard. They, they have lost significant power so far this year. Whereas with Bregman, yeah, it's all about pulling fly balls. Dylan Carlson, I'm not sure what the level's going to be for him yet, but he hasn't really produced that much power so far as a major leaguer. Jesus Aguilar, he's looking sort of fluky. But yeah, with Conforto and Gurriel, does this present an opportunity maybe to to buy low, uh, thinking that over a larger sample, they're going to find their old levels? Yeah, and I think maybe both of those guys are players that came off of per-game production in the shortened season that I didn't think they could sustain anyway so expectations were probably unfairly high now they're kind of swinging back the other way I think both Conforto and Guriel are very steady run producing power bats in the heart of their respective lineups so I do see them both as being viable trade targets right now all right and while we're looking at uh, potential trade targets this might be a, a tough one to swallow because he's just not produced much for for a while now but Josh Bell he's surged up the uh uh, exit velocity on flies and liners leaderboard. Uh, and I had to lower the threshold in terms of number of batted balls uh, to get him on that leaderboard. But um, he's averaging 99.9 miles an hour on flies and liners. So I think that puts him, if you lower that threshold to 50 batted balls, I think that puts him fifth on the leaderboard. So, um, you know, striking out a fair amount, but again, with strikeouts the way they are this year, it's not, not an obscene strikeout rate. And it seems like he's just maybe underperforming and fitting neatly into the the narrative of this is just a, a slump that is extending into 2021, but but maybe just a, a matter of underperformance. Well, I think with Bell, you're at least thinking about lowering the ceiling, much like we talked about with Glaber Torres. That 37 home run season we saw in 2019 is sticking out like a sore thumb. It's probably a pretty big outlier for him for his career. Fairly easy to say that now, two years later, when you can see a five-year snapshot, but do you think he can get back to the 2017 level of power output, a prorated 26 home runs the rest of the way? Do you think he still possesses that level of power? I really do. I mean, given how hard he's hitting the ball right now, um, his expected slugging, uh, or I should say really this expected ISO, because the expected batting average is still not, it's higher than it is, but it's it's still not great. But um, the expected ISO is, is really pretty, pretty robust so yeah i definitely think he can get to that level yeah i think he's solid for any league with 12 or more teams anything thinner than that i think there is some playing time risk with him over the course of the year i think they could just mix and match at first base if they really wanted to in dc but i would say bell also kind of fits the profile of someone that you could target right now to trade and you'd give up a lot less now than you would have a month ago yeah uh, that's a very, very good point. So, all right, well, let's uh, move on to some standout performances uh, from this very, very tiny Monday slate. I'm just going to focus on on the pitchers and, um, you know, just full disclosure here that there are a couple of late games that maybe uh, there's some players we should focus on, but we, we can't look into the future uh, when we're recording this. So we'll <laughs> look at the few games that were happening earlier. Uh, Martin Perez, a good start at the Orioles. We talked about him uh, once or twice and whether or not you take the risk with this matchup, and I think it would have been worthwhile. Goes five innings, one run on four hits and a walk with four strikeouts. Not a, a line that blows you away, but one that probably would help you. And then uh, on the other side for the Orioles, Jorge Lopez, 
five and two thirds innings, one run on four hits and no walks with five strikeouts. So a slightly better line for Lopez. And then um, also a pitcher that you did want to stream and uh, at least initially very, very good performance. And I'm trying to see if I can uh, update and see if he made it into the sixth inning. I don't know if you've got that more handy DVR, but uh, through the first five innings, uh, Luis Garcia had seven strikeouts against the Angels, so really nice outing for him. They did get him in the sixth a little bit. He left after five and a third, three earned runs charged to him, five hits, but seven Ks. I mean, overall, the Angels are a team you don't want to mess with that much, and Garcia looks like he's good enough to stick in the rotation as long as the combination of you know, injuries and performance for the other starters there keep the door open for him. All right. Well, uh, I've got, while we're talking about things that are happening as we're talking here, I'm just now seeing a report that Jared Keldnick's getting called up. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, this is on MLB.com. I'm reading this as I see this. The Jared Keldnick era in Seattle will begin Thursday, uh, according to this piece from MLB.com. So we've been anticipating this. I don't even know that there's a whole lot to say here because I, I think we've been pretty consistent in saying when Kelnick comes up, uh, he's he's got to be rostered. He's got to be started. That has not changed, I would assume, DVR. Right. In any leagues where he's available, you're going to spend probably 25% of the fab budget at a minimum if you're going to try and get him because everybody's going to want to bid. So... Get the hammers ready. That's right. Yeah, this is uh, certainly the the player that uh, you want to use that for. So uh, Tuesday streamers, uh, Adbert Elzelay uh, at Cleveland. We've talked about him quite a bit. Uh, you say Kikuchi at the Dodgers. Tough matchup. Logan Webb versus Texas. Jeff Hoffman at Pittsburgh. Who do you like here? Uh, Elzelay the most. Uh, Logan Webb, probably second. Jeff Hoffman a close third. And I'm not using Kikuchi against the Dodgers if I can help it. Yeah. Same here. So um, with that said, what do you have for our gambling spotlight this week? I just want to look in at the NL Cy Young odds because Jacob deGrom missing time with this injury is really the only way that window appears to be open for anybody to have a chance of chasing him down. Corbin Burns has the second best odds. He, of course, has been sidelined recently as well, but he's plus 450 to win the NL Cy Young. Everybody else is quite a bit longer than that. I thought you Darvish kind of stood out to me as a relative long shot right now as someone that you might want to think about because he's done everything possible to begin this season to be in the mix later on, but no one's talking about him. 227 ERA, 0.94 whip, 57 Ks in 43 and two-thirds innings, three and one so far in the season. We know wins matter a lot to voters. He's on a team where he's going to win a lot in San Diego. So if you're looking for a relative long shot, I would actually say you Darvish is pretty interesting right now because... The one scenario that could open the door for someone else is unfolding. All right. All right. Pretty interesting stuff there. So uh, on that note, we're going to wrap up this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. And if you do have an opportunity to rate and review this podcast, we thank you in advance and uh, just want to let you know we really do appreciate that. So for Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier, and we'll be right back here on Wednesday. <laughs>